first of all, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We're glad that you decided to worship with us. You know, every Sunday when people show up for church, they made a choice. You know, some people choose to stay in and sleep. Some, you know, mow their grass, whatever. Uh, I believe, hopefully, that when you come to family life, you're going to get some practical biblical insight that's going to help you to be better in your, in your daily walk. How many of you know that sometimes in church we've, we, we, we've given all, this, all these truthful facts, but it has to help us? It has to help us. So every time I'm doing a lesson, I'm like, okay, but so what? Does this help people on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? And, of course, I want to give a special shout-out to all of our serve team members. Every week we have a number of people that are in service because they're working in children's church, preschool, toddler classes, cafes, the Life Center. We have people out there parking cars, and, uh, you know, they're, they're – I, I noticed some of you a little straggling in there, and so they're, they're welcome you no matter what time you get here, okay? One time I told the parking team, y'all don't need to stay out there past 1030, and one of them said, but, Pastor, I want to greet everybody. <laughs> I'll let you think about that one for a second. But uh, they're not in service today because they've chosen to serve, and we're so thankful for them. They're so faithful. Uh, if, if you haven't been here in a while or if you're new, we're in, we're in the middle of a series on the book of Galatians. And once or twice a year, we just, you know, we, 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 we get away from the topical series, and we really focus on the book of the Bible and the reason is is that you uh, can learn the Bible better. It gives me an opportunity, uh, you know, to really give you some his historical context about how and why a certain book of the Bible was written. And most of the books in the Bible uh, in the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul, and they were written directly to church leaders, Timothy and, and Titus, or to churches that the Apostle Paul had planted. When we talk about planting a church, it just means that they started a church from scratch. They, they went to a place where there was not a Christian church, and they, they led some people to the Lord, and they uh, established it. So Galatians was written to a group of churches in what is today modern-day Turkey, but then it was the region of Galatia. There was a number of churches, and so Paul wrote this letter, uh, you know, to them. And the way it works is, you know, after Paul would go and start a church, he would leave, and, and, and many times these new Christians would get off track because they're doing the best they could, but he wasn't there to mentor them. So he would send them letters to communicate, and many times these letters were corrective in nature. How many times, you know, that, you know, we can be Christians, but we can get off track, and it's good, for, it's good for us to be in communication with the Holy Spirit so he can tell us, but how many know it's also good if we have friends that lovingly give us a little nudge and, and help us out? And so this letter, Galatians, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's corrective, it's corrective, you know, in, in, in nature. And um, what had happened is after Paul, after Paul had left and gone to start the churches, some, a group of Christian Jews came in behind him, and they were Christians, and they loved the Lord, but they, they were called Judaizers because they came in and told these new Gentile Christians that you have to follow the Jewish law to really be a Christian. I mean, you know, if someone tells you you got to do something to really be a Christian, you need to think twice about that, right? You need to give your life to Jesus, follow him. And, and they, were they, were, they were getting, you know, things like they had to be circumcised and follow all the ceremonial law. And these Gentiles were just found freedom in Jesus Christ. Now all of a sudden people are loading them up with burdens. So Paul, Paul writes to them and he's trying to encourage them not to, not to go this way. It's, you know, it's an amazing thing when you read uh, the book of, of Acts, and, and when you read about the, the progress of, 
of the church. And, you know, the church got started by church planning. They would go to a place that did not have a, a Christian church, and they would leave you with the Lord and start a church. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to go to our podcast and listen. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, that family life is very involved in is we, we plant churches. And we actually have a ministry in India and Nepal, uh, which, you know, India is going to pass China as the largest nation, country in the world here in the next few years. And, um, and Nepal has 40 million people. And only 300,000 of them are Christians, which is well below 1%. And so we have a pastor over there, Pastor Joe's, and they have started. We, we actually have over 200 family life churches in India and Nepal. And, and you know, statistics, study has proven that new they do very well in, in reaching, reaching people uh, for Jesus Christ. And so how, how they do it is they go to a place that, that does not have any Christians. They send a pastor there. That pastor's job is to first win people to the Lord, so he has a congregation. And, and, and so that's how they do it, and, and just, just an incredible way to reach people uh, for Jesus. Uh, do I need to use the handheld mic, guys? Do I need to use the handheld mic? My mic's cutting out. Turn it on. There we go. So in the book of Galatians, Paul gives us just some wonderful truths about the Christian faith that will really keep us from getting bound up in unnecessary things. Uh, I think sometimes our lives become so complicated, but the gospel of Jesus, it's so, sim it's so simplistic in form but sometimes we're following Jesus, and we try to add all these other things on it. And I'm excited about today's lessons because we're going to discuss what I believe is the most important lesson in the book of Galatians. And, it's, and it talks about the idea of relationship, having a relationship with Jesus. And Paul actually refers to it as, as sonship, as sonship. And we're going to define that and talk about that uh, now, ladies, if you're upset because you're called a son and it doesn't say daughter, I just want to remind you that the, us men, we're also called the bride of Christ. And so it all evens out. You, you'll be okay. But it's, it's, referring, it's referring to uh, all of us, sons and daughters. And here, here's, if, if you don't have the relational component of your walk with Jesus, if you don't understand that, it's never going to work out the way that you want it to. And so here's the, here's the thing. God didn't send his son into the world to be our religion. God sent Jesus into the world for our personal relationship with him, that we could have a personal relationship uh, with Christ. And just as you have a relationship with your husband or wife or children or coworkers or friends, how you communicate, you talk, it's a, it's a two-way street, hopefully, and that's how our relationship with the Lord is supposed to be. Let's look at Galatians. We're in Galatians 4 today, but let's start in chapter 3, Galatians 3, 26. It says this. It says, you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So it's not a male or a female thing. It's, it's about having the Spirit of God living in us. And in chapter 4, we're going to start at chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, 
and it says this, but when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, or that we may be adopted as God's children. And look at this, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute, what it means uh, to be an, an heir. But the goal, the goal of having a relationship with Jesus is simply that we have his spirit living in us. And I, I think that's a big problem in Christianity today. We think we can lead Jesus at church. We think we can lead Jesus at home. But when we have, see, if we have the spirit of Jesus living in us, it changes the way you see life. It changes your view of God. It changes your attitude uh, toward, toward other people. It's just, it's a, it's a big change, uh, you know, in your life. And, and you may be here and you, you may have been raised in church. And this is not a new concept. But I guarantee you there's a lot of people in here today. And you were, ra- you were ra- raised in a religious setting. And it just, it so turns you off because you, you, you didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to bow to, bow to, to, to statues, or you didn't, you didn't want to do things that were impersonal. And when, when Paul wrote this to the Galatians, the first century church, this is how they were because in the Old Testament, many times God was seen as distant. You know, God was seen as all-powerful as creator and kind of if you messed up, he could wipe you out. And, you know, the, the, when they came to church, all the people couldn't go in to experience the glory of God, the high priest, once a year. And so Jesus came to just change the formula for how we relate to Jesus. He came to make it personal. And so my, my, you know, my advice to you today is I talk to so many people who tell me they, they don't go to church and they are delusioned about Christianity, and they tell me that they tried it, but it just didn't work. And the thing is, is that maybe you tried the wrong brand. Because the brand in the New Testament is all about a, a love relationship with Jesus where he loves us unconditionally, whether we're good or bad. How many of you are glad that he loves you unconditionally? I'm looking out here, and some of you need unconditional love I'm talking about, right? I need unconditional love, right? We all do. And so I want to talk just a moment about, see, many Christians operate out of the wrong relationship with Jesus. And this passage says there's two relationships you can have. You can have a slave-master relationship, or you can have a son and a father relationship. So you, your relationship uh, can be kind of like as, as a slave, or it can be as a son. In the two, one is enjoyable and one is not. One is beneficial and one is not. So let's look at this. First of all, the slave, the slave has a master, and the master is usually a harsh person, and you're always trying to appease them because they can make your life good or bad. And so, really, you're scared of the master because they have power over your life. And I, I, there, was a, there was a church in Mexico, and there's probably many of them around the world, but I was watching a documentary. There's a church in Mexico, and the church is up on a hill. And when they get about a quarter mile away from the church, now it's a gravel road, they get on their knees and they crawl up to the church. 
kind and, and you know, uh, it, it's stained with blood because after a while you you don't have clothes no more, you don't have skin anymore, and so they, you know, their view of God is that man, if I cut myself up, if I hurt myself, you know, and, and spill blood on the way to worship, maybe God will accept me. See, that's a, that's a slave mentality. You see, so the the slave has a master, but the son has a father. The son has a father, and you know, fathers kind of jump in the lap, snuggle, story time, and uh, you know, Jesus was a was a kid magnet. I'm not sure Hollywood has ever has ever really gotten Jesus right, but the Bible tells us that the disciples were always rebuking people because the kids were running up and jumping on his lap, and, and he was blessing them, and he rebuked his disciples, you know? And I know what he was thinking. Man, these kids actually are nice. They actually love me. I don't know about all the adults out there, you know? Uh, but, 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 I mean, think, think about that. And, and so Jesus was just, uh, you know, he, he was a kid. Mag, mag, you know what type of person you have to be for kids to like you? I've, I've been kind of distressed about this. Because I've been on mission trips all over the world, and, and everywhere I go, I'm like a kid magnet, you know? Like, you guys, Tracy, there's pictures of me holding kids, babies. They all come to me. Uh, it could be because I'm the first white person they saw, and I have blonde hair. I don't know what it is, you know? <laughs> but in Nepal, it's not like that. It's like they're scared or something, you know? They're scared of the white man. I don't know what it is, but I'm having to check my magnet here. It's not working. Romans 8, 15, and 16, it says this, The spirit you received does not make you slaves. Do you hear that? The, the Spirit of Jesus does not make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And you know, the, the word Abba in, in the Aramaic is the most endearing term you can call a father. It's daddy. Is dad, and you know, you know what I what I have learned is you can always tell the type of relationship you have with someone by what they call you, right? I mean, think about it. Your neighbor hollers at you; the relationship's not too good, you know. But but think about it. So in the church, I have some people that call me Pastor Terry, some that call me Pastor. I have a few that call me Dad, but or Pop or whatever. That's my kids, okay. Um, then I have others that say, "Hey, man, what's up?" Right, James? <laughs> I've, we've been knowing each other since four years old. Hey, man, what's up, you know? Um, and I had one person said, hey, what do you want me to call you? I said, how about you just call me? I don't need a title. I don't need a title. But if I go out in the city or if I'm out somewhere where people know I'm a pastor, you know, one, per, one person called me Reverend Darnell. Like, I just kept walking. I didn't know they were talking to me. No one's called me Reverend, you know? But think about this. The relation, how, how you... How you um, address somebody shows the type of relationship you have with them. It shows if there's any depth to it. It shows if there's any emotion involved. It shows how long you've known somebody. And so how we address God shows our relationship to him. And, you know, sometimes I hear people praying, and it's so King James, you know, these vows and king and lord and master. And I'm like, how about dad? How about Father? Father, I'm so thankful that, you know, you're helping me through this situation. 
But uh, ju- just think about this, because if you address God as the man upstairs, if you, he's distant, all-powerful, and, and, you know, if you're lacking intimacy, you need to move from being a slave to being a son. He wants you to be a son. He wants you to come and, and, and talk with him when you have issues. The second thing is that the, the slave is an employee. The slave is an employee, and, and if you think about it, have you, have you ever been somewhere and you could tell that the employee uh, did not care so much about the business they were working for? We were at a restaurant a few weeks ago, and, um, which wasn't a problem for me because I, I specialize in patience, but uh, there were all these empty tables. There were all these empty tables in there, and the hostess just wasn't in a hurry. You know, texting and walking around, there's 50 people in the waiting area, you know. And finally, 54, 54. No, they left 20 minutes ago, you know, uh, 55, you know. But if the owner was there or if it was somebody, if it was a family-owned business and one of the family members, a son, a daughter was there, you know what would happen? All those tables would have been filled because they're not an employee, it's the family business. And so we, we have, see, I think sometimes we think that we're employees of God. We're not employees in God. The kingdom of God is our family business, and we should do everything we can to build the kingdom and reach people and be faithful, uh, you know, to God. And so the slave is an employee, but the son or the daughter is an heir. So that means, that means hey, I'm in the family business. Everything that my father owns is mine. It's an, it's an inheritance. It's, a, it's an eternal kingdom. And, you know, I, when we, we, have, we have a growth track every couple months. And our growth track is where, uh, where we, you know, people that have been attending and they want to become members and they go and we talk to them and, you know, tell them about the church and all this, give them a chance to serve. But I always tell them this, you know, the difference between being a tender, an attender and being a member is that when you become a member, you take ownership in this church. If I'm going to be your pastor, I want to be able to speak into your life. And the difference is, you know, if you're new and you're visiting, you come in and you're trying to scope the place out, you know, and where to put things. Members know all that. But when, you, when, when you're a member, it changes your relationship with the church. And you're an owner. It's a family business. You're committed to helping family life reach its mission for God. So the chairs you're sitting in, they're yours. The drums are yours. Now, we ask you not to carry them off today because we need them for next week. But when visitors walk through the door, they're our visitors. And we address them with love and respect and see how we can help them. I mean, if you're walking across the parking lot, if, if, if it's someplace you've never been before and there's trash blowing by, you just kind of wave at it and walk on by. Or I know what you do. You act like you didn't see it, right? But when you're an owner, you just pick it up because you don't want anyone else, any, anyone else to see it. And so, you know, I, I think that we, we, have, we have trouble that, uh, you know, if we're in a slave mentality and we're an employee and God's our master, it's totally different than if we're a son with a father or a daughter with a father and we're an heir of everything that he has. Uh, Romans eight seventeen says this. Now, if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So you could say this, that everything 
that God has is yours. It's your inheritance, and, and he wants you to have it. You're in the family business, and he knows that if he blesses you abundantly, you'll pass it on to others. Again, if you're a Christian and God is blessing you just incredibly, and you're not giving any of that to help others to build the kingdom of God, you need to go back and address your relationship because, again, as an heir, if God blesses me with more than I need, I can give some of it away because my father's not lacking. He'll, he'll, he'll give more. We're supposed to be conduits of God's blessings to people. When we, when we continue that, the flow continues to us. When we become a reservoir and, and, and begin to just hoard it up, it just kind of goes stale. I've, I was asking, I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and uh, they were asking me some questions, and, and I noticed that when they prayed, they prayed for God to give them just what they needed. God, I need $57 to pay my light bill next week. God, I need this, that. And I said, can I, can I tell you something? And I, please take this with graciousness and humility, but a long time ago, I quit praying for what I need. I pray for more than what I need because if I have, the only way I can be a blessing to other people is if I have more than we need. I, I don't pray for this church just to get by. God just give us enough money to pay our light bills and, you know, we built this building and expenses went up incredibly. I pray for God to have more because we got, we got missions work to do. We have work in our community to do. We have all kinds of things to do. So if you're an heir, I want you to think about this. If you're an heir of God, if you're a son or a daughter, if you are an heir, that means that everything that God has is yours. And we know that God owns everything. Amos says all the gold and all the silver is his. So, so think about this. Stop praying faithless prayers. If you really want God to bless you, then say, God, this is what I need, but I want to give more, so please help me with this so I can help, I can help other people. And you see, sometimes we have not because we ask not. We have not because our thinking has been too small. And I'm just saying is our Father is the creator of heaven and earth. Our Father breathed life into us. And that means he cares for us. He also cares for, for the world around us. And I believe that the church needs to be more involved in helping people around us. And we can't do that if we're broke. You can't do that. And so... Uh, but anyway, I, I was Pastor Joe last week, and Joe, would you raise your hand if you weren't here? Pa Pastor Joe spoke last week, and he's going to help us uh, next year, mid-year next year. We're starting a Spanish service, and so Joe's going to lead that. We're excited about that, and uh, so if you, all you gringos who can't speak Spanish, you can come and try to learn, you know? I'm sorry, that was, that was, that was me. But he talked about grace. And grace is one of the most tremendous words in the Bible, but I'm going to be honest with you, many Christians don't understand grace. And grace says that it's by grace we have been saved, it's nothing we can do. So the grace of God says that when we're sinners, when we have rebelled against God, we have the ability to come to Jesus and ask him to forgive our sins, and we have automatic sonship and daughtership, Okay. Now, sometimes that bothers people that have been Christians a long time. I had, had a person tell me this. Pastor, you got to do something. You can't just walk up in here and claim grace and get an inheritance. I said, why not? I mean, you, you do know when we get to heaven if, if, if that, that, that we're all going to get in all that, but our rewards are going to be based on what we've done. But 
the, the moment you give your life to Jesus, you surrender your life to him, and you ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, at that moment, you are an heir. You are a son. You are a daughter. Your relationship with him has changed. And uh, so let me, let me, I'm going to read a scripture here that maybe shows both sides here. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, it says this. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. So salvation is by grace, but the Bible also says, hey, you need, you need to work. You need to work out your salvation. There should be fruit of your salvation. If you've been going to work for 10 years and they don't know you're a Christian, don't tell them, you know? Don't, don't tell them. If they don't know, please don't embarrass the kingdom, right? Or you could just start changing when they say what happened. Say, yeah, I got, I got saved again last week, right? But we should work hard. Look at this. It says we should work hard. Uh, work hard to show the results or the fruit of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now, that fear is a reverential fear. It's not to be scared like the slave relationship we talked about. But then it says this, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, here's, here's what I want to say. The, the people that say they just can't all come up in here and just expect to receive this, that's the only way it works. The only, what I want to say is this, no one in here has enough self-discipline to clean yourself up. But when we come to Jesus by grace, what it says is that God begins to work in us and he gives us the desire and the power to change. We can't change on our own. And you don't need to tell somebody to change, but if they have a growing relationship with Jesus, soon enough they'll want to change. They'll see the need to change because God puts in them the desire first and then the power to make changes. And so without grace, we're never going to be good enough. Without grace, without the grace of God, we're never going to work hard enough or be self-disciplined enough to do it. But when we come to God by grace, then the desire and the power uh, begins to take over in our life. The third thing about the slave relationship, uh, the slave is driven by duty. The slave is driven by duty. But the son or the daughter is driven by devotion. And, you know, again, I think this is one of the biggest problems in America. It's like a lot of people come to church because it's a duty. Well, I didn't go last week. I better go this week. Man, find you a church where you love to go, where you get fed. I mean, I hope it's here, but, gosh, you ought to enjoy church. You should be built up when you leave. But we only do duty for so long right? And we only do duty for so long. Like if you, if somebody's down and you, you know, maybe they hurt themselves or whatever, and you say, hey, I'm going to come over to your house and, and uh, I'm going to mow your grass for you. And they say, okay. And so you, you mow their grass and, you know, it's three months and you see them running by you waving, you know. And you're like, hey, man, I think you can mow your own grass. No, it's still hurting a little bit, man. Still hurting a little bit, you know. See, that's, you're doing something for duty, and after a while, duty wears out. So if you're coming to church because of duty, it won't last long. If you're reading your Bible or praying out of duty, it's not going to last too long. If you're giving out of duty, that's not going to last long. But see, the son is driven by devotion. I read my Bible because I just want to learn more about Jesus. I want to learn more about the heart of the Father. I pray, I pray because 
I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, and I want to know what I need to do and what direction I need to, to, you know, to, to take. I pray for others because I want to see my friends and family all come to Jesus. And there's a, a great story about this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And it's a story of Mary and Martha. And if, if you know the story, Jesus shows up at their house, and he showed up with an entourage of people, and there's people everywhere. And Mary and Martha, they both loved Jesus, but they had two different attitudes. Mary, can you believe it? She's sitting there at the feet of Jesus listening to everything he says. And Martha is doing all the cooking, cleaning, and all those servitude things for Jesus and his whole entourage. And, and Martha gets mad. She's like, Jesus, you know, can you please rebuke my sister? I mean, I would do it, but it would have more authority coming from you, you know. Uh, would you rebuke my sister so she would come help me? And, you know, Jesus had an interesting statement. He's like, you know, he told her, you know, Mary, Mary has chosen wisely, and she, she's hearing things that she's not going to be able to hear in, in, a, in a few more, you know, in a, in a period of time after I'm gone. And so, but what we see is one was serving out of duty. I need, I need to supply food and drinks and stuff for my guests. And Mary was in it for the devotion. Mary was like, I don't care if we eat or not. I mean, Jesus is Jesus. He can multiply food. He can turn water into wine. I mean, I think we're going to be okay. So, but, but listen, duty won't last long if, you, if we're serving God, if we're following Jesus out of our devotion and love for him. That's what fuels us. Devotion just, just fuels us. Galatians 4, 8, 9, it, it says this. It says, formerly... When you did not know God, look at those words, know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And, and that really caught my mind there. When you did not know God, and now that you do know God, it's it's a different dynamic. It goes from slaveship to to sonship, and I, I just want to talk to you about that. For I want to talk to you about knowing God for a minute. Here at Family Life, we have four core values. First of all, we want everyone to know God, have a personal relationship with Him. The second thing is this: uh, they're not mad at me. They're just going to get changed, get baptized. Okay, so you're if you ever are speaking and people in the front row leave, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Not many people want to sit on the front row, okay? But we want, we want people to know God. But the second thing is we want people to find freedom from the thing, from the things that have been holding them back, depression, insecurity, rejection. Then we want people to discover their purpose in life. We believe God has a purpose for everybody. And then we want people to go make a difference. But I, I want to just talk to you for about, about five minutes about how do you know God. And there's three simple steps. And the first one is this, to get to know God, you have to begin to see him as a father. You have to begin to see him as a father. Your view of God will determine your relationship with God. And, you know, what, what you think about God will determine your relationship with him. And see, the, the, here's the problem. The problem is that some of us had not so good fathers growing up. Maybe your father provided for you financially and all that, but they, there was no relational component there. 
Maybe your father was an abusive person. Maybe he was an alcoholic. And the problem is when we start talking about a father, we view our heavenly father with how we view our earthly father. And here's what I want to tell you. You can never project onto God the relationships you have with other people. How many of you know people that don't go to church today and it's like, well, I went to church and the people there were hypocrites? I mean, come on, after a while, that's, come on, really? I mean, every time I go to the post office, they make me mad and treat me bad, but I still go, right? Because I have to. You don't have to go to church. But, but it's not fair. It's not fair to take earthly people who don't have a capacity to love like God does and project that on God, that that, that will hurt your relationship. And look what, look what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 9 through 11. It says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So what Jesus said is if, if you in your limited ability of knowledge, love, power, if you can give good gifts to your kids, and if we're sons and daughters, how much more will our Father be able to bless us with things that we really, we really need? The second thing is if you, if you want to know God, you have to first see him as a father. And the second thing is you have to approach God through relationship and not rules. See, see, many people think that they have to follow rules to have a relationship with God, and, 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 and that will never get you where you need to be. Now, let's, let's, I'll take my family, for example. When my kids were growing up, and again, they're all grown, uh, we had certain rules that they needed to follow, right? And we had some rules like, you know, the kind of talk we'd have in our house. No one ever talked bad about anyone. We didn't say mean things to each other. And as they got older, we're like, okay, if you want to go somewhere, you need to give us some advance notice. Don't come down dressed and say, hey, I want to go here. Or if they needed money, you know, tell us, don't tell us the night before that you need 300 bucks, you know. Can I get an amen, parents? Come on now. I mean, that will get you zero, right? You need to let us know so we can plan. But here's the thing. You know, everyone has some ground rules or whatever, but our relationships and our family were not built on rules. Those were to guide things, to keep problems from happening. But relationships, relationship is, is, is what proceeded from our house. And so I remember one day I was working at home, and I was probably working on a sermon or something, and I'm busy making outlines, doing things. And one of my kids came and sat down beside me, so I did what every parent said. You know, I was busy and type and stuff. Hey, what, what do you need? Oh, I don't need anything. Sure, sure, yeah, okay, and okay, and so I keep working. I'm like, well, you sure you don't need anything? No, no, I just, it looks like you're busy. I was just going to see if you wanted to go shoot basketball or throw a football or take a walk or something like that, and so then I'm like, okay, you can ask anything you want right now, and we'll, we'll, we'll get it done because we won't tell Tracy, you know. We'll just get this, this thing done, and so here's the thing, relationship gets you to the heart of the Father. See, we have to understand that, I don't know how else to say this, but God desires to bless us. He desires to give us 
the deep, dark desires of our hearts. He desires to do that. And sure, there's things we need to follow as being a Christian. We, we, we read some of those. But you don't have to, okay, i got to do all these rules to get to God. It, it, it doesn't work that way. So sometimes we need to throw, throw the rules out. And you got to approach God through a relationship and not rules. And the last thing is this, and maybe this is the most important, but if you want to know God, you have to give God your whole heart. You have to give God your whole heart. I, I, I'm convinced that the reason God doesn't speak to his people more, I'm convinced the reason uh, that we don't see more miracles, I, I, the reason we're not blessed as much as we probably should, is because uh, we're kind of one foot in, one foot out of our relationship with God. You know, uh, following God should not be like the hokey pokey, you know, put the, oh, the left foot first, left foot in, left foot out, shake, anyway, that was a bad example, I'm gonna move on, but the, the, the thing is, is, is like something happens, something happens, let me give you an illustration, you know, somebody, somebody comes to my office and they need marriage help, and they're not in a good position, and I tell them, you know, well, we don't know if we're going to stay together. So I tell them, look, God can solve this and we can help you. But if you're not committed, then we're wasting our time. When I know that we have a commitment level, when they're all in, there's no plan B, okay, now we have something we can work with. And, and the same thing with our relationship with God is when we go all in, when we don't hold anything back, something, ha- something different happens. You can be 70% in, and that won't get you where you need to be. You can be 80% in, you can be 90%, and that won't get you where you, need to, where you need to be. Let me read Jeremiah 29, verse 13 through 14. It says this, you seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart, all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's like a 100%, uh, you know, commitment level. I'm going to ask the band to, to come up, and I want to I pray with you this morning before we dismiss. Would you just bow your heads with me? Just, just take a moment. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and, and think about this. Has my relationship with God kind of been like as a slave, as an employee, or as a second-class citizen? Or has it been from the view of a son and a daughter, and I'm an heir of what God has? God, we come before you, and we're just so thankful. Father, we're so thankful that Jesus came to change the formula of how we, how we come to God, and he made it intimate. He made it personal. And, God, because of Jesus, we have been adopted as sons and daughters, and we're so thankful for that, Father God. And I just, I'm just wondering if there are any here this morning who, 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 would, who would say, um, you know, I, I just, I realize that I need to have a change. I realize that 
my view, my approach to God needs to change, and and I need to come with the under with the understanding of uh, uh, that I'm a son, that I'm a daughter, that I'm an heir. Would you just raise your hands? I just want to pray for you. That's just it's it's a, a monumental day when in our mind the dynamics of our relationship with God change. Lord, I pray for all these here this morning, Lord God. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that that you're helping us to move from from the idea of of you're our master and we have to do what what you want us to, to really just being a son, a daughter, that, that personal relationship with you, Father God. Lord, I just pray, I just pray that you're coming in our lives, Lord, and just really helping us to, to make that connection with you. Would, you. would you all stand with me today? Father God, we're just so thankful for your grace. God, we're so thankful for your grace upon our lives. God, we just realize that we can't work hard enough to earn our salvation. It's about your grace in our lives, Lord God, and we're so thankful for it. God, it's your grace that gives us the desire and the power to change. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what, what we're going to do right now is the band is going to play another song.